This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 400 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Total Saddle Fit, and Fairfield Inn & Suites. Tonight, we're going to be discussing the USDF FEI Trainers Conference with participants Debbie Hill and Nora Batchelder. Stanfield from Loxahatchee, Florida. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dishaj Radio Show. With our producer, Jen, is with us tonight, Woo. not Glenn. Hi, Jen! <laughs> Hello! Hello! I'm going to be listening very carefully today because your, uh, your guest went to that clinic, and I'm going to hope to glean some tips from that experience. I'm going to take advantage I love well, it. Yeah, we've got some great interviews today and uh, talking all about education. And Reese, why don't you set us up to, you sure. know, what was the FEI conference? Who was I know. Who's well, clinicking? Phil, who's off, riding? What's going on? I know. First off, Phil, I missed you. I had to go all by myself. Uh, no normally uh phil does come down for this this is a fantastic event um it's the usdf fei trainers conference and um it is you you have to be some sort of fei either rider or trainer to go you can't just this isn't just a clinic sort of for everyone open for everybody it is not open um you have to fulfill the requirements to go um but it happens every January and it's a it's usually sort of the second or third week in January and it brings in first of all it's a great networking event for everybody because a lot of trainers come in for it and there's a lot of things are going on down here um, which is great and uh, this year it was given by Lilo Four and Hans Christian Matheson and they are both uh, Lilo just retired as a five star judge and Hans Christian is uh, very influential in the five star judging committee through USEF and what was really interesting, I mean, Lilo Four is a phenomenal judge and is very uh, influential in the FEI and, and USDF uh, certified instructors program, along with being a judge. And Hans Christian was a five-star FEI judge, but also his day job is a veterinarian. Uh, and he's, it sounds like he, he's Danish and has a big practice. So they offered a lot, a wide range of expertise, these two clinicians. And that's why I'm sure they were chosen. Um, this year, along with the FEI's trainer conference, was the USCF, I think, uh, judges forum. So there are a lot of judges that were there as well. So the judges sort of sat in their own area on the short side of the arena and the trainers all sat along the long side of the arena at uh, the McPhail's. Marianne McPhail always donates her facility and it's a phenomenal facility uh, for us to come and and kind of have a two-day workshop. So um, it was a two-day workshop and then uh, Monday night was a lecture downtown in West Palm Beach. And uh, it was really, really interesting. Uh, The first day was focused mainly on training. And then Hans Christian lectured in the evening and uh, he talked about, you know, sort of veterinary issues uh, that sort of plague sport horses, uh, which was very interesting. And then um, the second day was much more focused on judging. And again, I think it's important that dressage, you know, the trainers and judges work together because, we're all playing for the same team basically. And, um, and so, you know, it was interesting to see and hear what the judges were seeing and what the trainers were seeing and what the trainers were more interested in versus what the judges were more interested in. Um, so it was very interesting to see that. I, I personally, uh, don't like judging, uh, but <laughs> obviously, you, you know, it's not my thing. Like I, I, my sister is is very good at it and and can sit there for eight hours and judge tests. I would like to be walking around training horses for eight hours. So it's, but our 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 you have to intersect. I mean, I coach people to go to horse shows, so it's important for me to have a schooled eye from, you know, what maybe is what score did that pirouette get and why did why did it get a, a five and and what were some things that could be better or 
in this case, there were some phenomenal horses. I mean, every horse that came was phenomenal. And, um, which is great because what that does is it gives you the perspective of what a really, really nice horse does. And there was a lot of discussion about, okay, this is a phenomenal horse. Um, make sure that your scale is set appropriately because seeing this phenomenal horse ridden by an Olympian in Wellington is not going to be what you see maybe in Kentucky or in Canada or, or where you are, Phil, you know, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, you want to, you want to have a standard. You're always trying to set your eye so that you can be realistic when you send somebody in about what score they might get and where to send, you know, where to set your expectations right. uh, for right. each horse and, you know, where they should be in their training. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I think that's sometimes helpful to, um, to, to say for a horse that he needs another year of training before moving him up or a mm-hmm. horse and rider, mm-hmm. you know, rather than, you know, sending them out there and they, oh, well, why didn't we get a 70%? Well, right. this is what, you know, judges see a lot of horses. They spend most of their time doing it. And they travel the country and the world in the, in, the, in the case of the FEI judges, and they see the top and the top. So if you're a horse trainer, right. I think you should also be trying to do the same thing. And, you know, for me, and, and another point is that uh, horses on videos do not represent no. what the horses look like in person. So That's right. You can watch a ton of videos, and it's great, and it's great learning and, and, and that. But um, if you want to be a Grand Prix rider or you want to be a great fourth level, you have to see... A lot of you know a lot of horses at the level in which you're, at which you expect to do well and to show you know show against because the judge is not saying that's the you know that's the best fourth level horse at this show so that horse is 100 percent and the rest of the horses are you know somewhere below that it's you know it's a scale that they use because they see a lot of horses and mm-hmm. and we know that in Wellington there's a lot of really nice horses so yeah um, that's part of it yeah I think that's part of education and part of being a a horse trainer is to, you know, to set your eyes. So it's great that they have, you know, these opportunities available. Right. And I think, I think some criticism is, well, you know, you, 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 the horses are too nice. Well, it is important to see nice horses. It's important to see, you know, a lot of times at symposiums or whatever, they bring in really, really top horses. Um, But I think that's important too. You know, uh, it's maybe something you don't see every day, but this is what we're striving to be. Yeah, you want to have a have an exactly. ideal to be able to strive towards, and and also know to know that those horses need training too. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and, 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 and part and parcel. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, I think with horses it's difficult because, yeah, of course not all horses are are spectacular, and not horses all horses are great at certain movements, and you know, um, but they but when you're training horses, they all are. Uh, special in their own way and they all have to deal with different training and they're all individuals and they all have so yeah you can bring you know a horse maybe somebody down the road has a horse that bucks and you want it to go to a clinic and i want to see how they fix but that that you know just because horse bucks and yours at home bucks doesn't mean that they're the same they don't think the same way They're, they're they're all so individual and unique and so you can bring in horses that have problems but always the problems are unique to each horse so that's tough, right? So, you know, that's why we like to go and see fancy yeah. horses and, you know, and do these clinics and, and I go home and try and recreate that in your own horses, I think. Yeah, exactly. So it was a really fun time. I missed you, Phil. Just wasn't the same without you, but <laughs> it was, uh, it was a lot of fun and, and, and really an educational couple days and that's what we're, we're looking for. So it was really cool. So, yeah, that's what it was all about. So, well, Phil, yeah, you got. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. we got some. Uh, we got our first CDI in Wellington, um, a, a CDIW. So that's a yes. World Cup qualifier. Yeah. Um, I can just bring up the. We'll talk about the Grand Prix, right? Because um, that's the big, the big class, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was actually won by American Lisa Wilcox and a horse named Gallant. I think this wasn't this a horse that she talked to us about that was in the developing Grand Prix. Yes. Maybe That's two right. years ago, and she's brought along. I think she's done the training on this horse. So, yep. uh, mm-hmm. congratulations. I heard wonderful yeah. things about this horse's Piaf Passage. Oh, it's stunning. It's really, <laughs> really, it's really nice. Um, and then second from Denmark is Michaela Gunnarsson, which she did really well last year. It's nice to see her horse, uh, that mare, the beautiful mare, My Lady, come back. And, uh, and she, she did, did not it. ride the freestyle, though. Right. Right. So. She did. She did okay. My Lady wasn't 100%. 
she put it on Facebook and said, it, you know, she just wasn't ready. She wasn't 100%. So she didn't ride him. That's good. Don't push yeah. the horse. Yeah. Don't push it. Exactly. It was yeah. a long season, right? There's a lot no, of uh, big competition. So we want to make sure the horses are fresh all the way to the end. And probably if you're competing in this World Cup qualifier, you maybe want to be, you're, you're looking towards the World Cup in Omaha in right. March. So. Mm. Don't peak too early, right? I think that's, uh, you know, and don't overuse the horses, especially it's a very experienced Grand Prix horse. So, um, Third, Megan Lane and Carvella. Congratulations. Yeah. To, and she uh, had a heck of a, yeah. she really had a, a very, very good freestyle. I it think she, uh, she had some personal bests there and scores. So, uh, yeah, I think that horse just keeps getting better and better. And, uh, and just shout out to Canada, right? Yeah, shout out to you and Phil. Phil. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, but it was fun. It was the first Friday Night Lights of the season, and uh, it was a lot of fun. So it was great. And so, fourth and fifth in the Grand Prix was uh, Susan Papa. It's yep. listed as uh, riding for Great Britain, but we know that she's a mar- uh, she's married to Ingo Papa, a friend of ours, and yep. uh, and in Germany. So she rides German stallions. Uh, yeah, it was really cool. So she's not based in Great, great Britain. She no. comes to Florida to show off these these horses, and they're fantastic, and she's a great rider. And so I think, yeah, the top five there for our Grand Prix. Yeah, um, it was really fun. Get the party started. It was really fun to go there last week. So, um, yeah, so this week is uh, there's a two-star, uh, or maybe it's a one-star. I'm sorry. I, I don't know. There's a, there's a smaller CDI this weekend, along with the para dressage. Uh, going on so a cpei i think um that's going on edi yep that's going on this week here in wellington uh and then next week is another big cdi so it sort of rotates um so it's very cool well i'll tell you what guys glenn's gonna stop by here real quick with some great announcements and then we're gonna Come back after a message from one of our wonderful sponsors with our first guest. Well, we're so happy that Glenn is stopping by for a few minutes to tell us about a special announcement. Go for it, Glenn. Hey, guys. So good to be here again. I just want to let everybody know that the 2018 WEG show has started. We did our first episode, Samantha Clark and I, and it was a lot of fun. We actually spoke to the people at Tryon and went over what's going on and how prepared are they and, you know, how big a task is all of this getting ready for a WEG in 18 months. So that's part of our first episode. You can find the 2018 WEG show, which will be twice a month through WEG, and then we'll be doing daily wrap-up shows at the end of each day during WEG, all 14 days. And that's happening at horseradionetwork.com. You can find it on the app, iOS or Android, Horse Radio Network. Or you can search iTunes or any of your podcast players that you use. Just search for 2018 WEG Show, and you'll find it there. It's going to be so much fun. And, of course, Dressage will be covering that because it's part of the WEG. Yay! So exciting. Yeah, I want to tune in. I mean, I'm I'm curious about all those things you just were talking about. Like, how are they going to get that done? Kind of being part of the, you know, 2010 committees that organized. Oh, my goodness. Which took us like, six years, by the way. Yes, <laughs> yes, and they're doing it in 18 months, so... I I can't I can't wait to see and and you know I know for I'm not gonna lie that venue is pretty close to me so um, that'll be really great so I'm looking forward to hearing to hearing the show myself and we're we're not only going to cover the sports but we'll also be covering hotels restaurants things to do in the area for the family we, we did that for the 2010 uh, World Equestrian Games show that we did and we covered a little bit of everything and we're going to be doing that the same way this time as well as diving into the sports we are going to have a spotlight rider for each discipline like we did the last time and the one we pick is going to be somebody that's not been away to a WEG before but has a good shot at getting there and we're going to follow them uh, their progress every month up until the wag and if they make it they make it if they don't they don't that's that's part of the gig isn't it guys i mean mm-hmm. sometimes you make it yeah. sometimes you don't it is yeah. yep so uh so i need to get suggestions from you guys on who to follow this so send those over to me by the way okay uh, we will okay. do that we We have homework i love it (laughs) one other one other quick thing and i'll let you go is that there's a second new show on the network we're up to 12 now and that is called the plaidcast it is out it's on the app and everywhere that you'll find our shows it it covers the world of hunters and jumpers it's produced by or or brought to you by the plaid horse magazine and we produce it and it's out on the network and they're going to cover everything into hunter jumper world from lower levels on up and one of the one 
one time a month, they have something that all of the dressage riders would be very interested in. They have Tanya Johnson on, Johnston on, who is a, she is a mental skills coach and pretty well known. And she's doing a mental skills episode once a month on the podcast where she really dives into the mental side of riding and answers listeners' questions. And it is really, really interesting. The first one's out already. That applies to anybody riding anything, trail rider to dressage rider to jumper. So that's one of the things that I'm really excited about that we've never had, and that's going to be over on that show. And then show number 13 comes next month. If you're into racing, uh, and Reese will know the Pollock Report. Yes. The Pollock Report is, would you say, the leading blog in the world of racing? I mean, they're one of the leaders in in the blogging world of of, uh, thoroughbred racing. And they're going to be doing a show on the network. So it's going to be twice a month, and it's going to be all about thoroughbred racing. Uh, and Pollock himself will be hosting it. So it should be, uh, we're looking forward to that too. So lots of things going on. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Congratulations. So Those busy. are great sounding you're, shows. You have know. to hire an entire crew now. I, I was going to ask you if you had any free time, Philip, because uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're in the winter. Every, you have nothing to do up there yeah, right you have now. Yeah, nothing so. going on. Just do the talking, though. I don't, I don't do any of the, the behind the scenes editing and all that <laughs> crazy work you. that takes we the time. We teach you real quick. He'd be really good at it. Thanks, guys. HorseRadioNetwork.com. Well, yeah, fantastic. Well, right after this break from Kentucky Performance Products, we're going to come back with FEA rider and trainer Debbie Hill, and she's going to talk about her experience at the USDF Trainers Conference. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Are you worried about digestive disorders such as colic, diarrhea, and ulcers making your horse sick? Try adding Nalox Advanced to your horse's diet. The ingredients in Nalox Advanced support a healthy stomach, robust microflora populations, and normal gut function so digestive disorders become a thing of the past. Nalox Advanced is recommended for horses of all ages to maintain a healthy gut and reduce the risk of ulcers, diarrhea, and colic. Why take chances with your horse's well-being? Start your horse on Nalox Advance today. Well, tonight it is my pleasure to have Debbie Hill. She is USDF gold, and gold, silver, and bronze medalist, USDF graduate, L graduate with distinction, and resident trainer at Red Horse Ridge in Huntsville, Alabama. Debbie, welcome to the show. Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you. Well, we are so happy to have you on, and it was such a pleasure to see you ride Debbie uh, Robbie Rice's Cartier at the USDF Trainers Symposium this week, and and I couldn't wait to hear kind of what your thoughts were about it. Oh, it was it was great. It was educational, and it was great exposure for the horse and experience for the horse, and um, you know the clinicians were easy to work with and it was a great time. I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed auditing the other sessions and I enjoyed participating in it. And it tell, was, tell us it was, a little bit about yeah. the horse that you were riding and, uh, you know, give us some background has, information coming into it. Sure. He has sort of an interesting story. Um, I was looking for a horse for a client of mine and, um, Robbie Rice, who has been a supporter of me for years, has kept me in horses. And I was also sort of on the back burner looking for a young prospect for her. And I ran across this horse that, um, you know, he, he was being jumped and ridden out in the field some, but not a dressage horse. And um, we went to try, and there's just something on the video I sort of liked. And I rode him a couple of days, and, and you know, he was so adaptable. And his story was that he came through the New Holland sale. He was owned by Amish, who tried to make him a cart horse, and he was too hot, afraid of the cart, and, you know, sort of squirrely. And so they sent him through the sale, and a young girl bought him, and then had this Russian gentleman, um, Peter, work with him a little bit, and, and then they offered him for sale. And that's just basically how I got him, so he'd never shown and not done much dressage, mostly trail riding and galloping through the forest. That's why we call them forest, because we were expecting an arena to try the horse in. And they said, no, there's no arena. We just ride them in the forest. <laughs> and we just thought that was funny. So then we, what? Stuck, so we call them forest. 
his name was Valentino is what they called him, but he has no papers and we really don't, you know, have a hundred percent the background story on him. That that's just what we were told and it all fits timeline wise and the way he behaves. If anything is behind him close, he's a little nervous about it. So it all seems to fit. So how long have you been riding him and you know, where is he at in his training and what were you working on uh, at the symposium? Sure. He, um, I bought him or Robbie bought him in 2014 in April. So I've been riding him since then. Um, in the end of May, 2014, I got diagnosed with breast cancer. So I had sort of a slow year because I had five months of chemo and surgery, radiation, the works. And so I did ride him through that time and worked with him. And I think it was a good time for him because it was low pressure and he was sort of a nervous horse. So, um, I didn't show him or anything that year. And then um, last winter, I finally sort of got him calmed down and a little bit, you know, knowing a few things where I could get him in the ring. And I did a little bit of third and fourth level with him. And then last fall, we moved him up to small tour. And then um, in November, I did an I2 test on him just at a small show. And he did great. He he sort of excels at Piaf and Passage. That's his thing. And he was easy to teach most of the other things. So I'm looking forward towards Grand Prix with him. He's not ready yet, but I'm hoping that it won't be too long before he can make his debut at Grand Prix. Yeah. And he is spectacular. I mean, that was one of the things that, you know, they talked, yeah, that they talked about at the clinic and it was how good he was in the Piaf massage and his rhythm. And so tell us, I mean, he was very good, but that is a tricky venue. Can you tell everybody a little bit about the venue? (laughs) Yeah. Um, well, it's a beautiful place, um, you know, nice footing, a beautiful arena, but there's a lot of people. I think they said something like 350 people, and there's judges at, um, you know, the short end and mirrors at the other short end, and then, you know, rows of chairs down each long side, and the people are sat right up close to the arena. And I really was worried that he would be able to cope with it. And um, his his sort of coping mechanism was to suck back a little bit and be a little behind my leg, but he really held it together very well. I, I was thinking that it would be difficult to get him on the rail, um, you know, that he would be shying. I had nightmares of being out quarter line to quarter line. <laughs> and, uh, but he was, he was, he did better, better with the crowd than I thought he would. You know? Yeah. So it really was did. stressful yeah, riding in that popular. environment. Yeah. Yeah, no, he really did. It from the from the spectator standpoint, you couldn't tell. I mean, it was it, he really did an amazing job. So, tell us what were kind of what were you the things that you were working on the most with the clinicians and and some takeaways that you took from the clinic. Sure. Um, the first day, they focused more on training, and we worked on sort of evening out his connection because he can be a little bit on and off the connection, especially on the right rein. So they gave me some tips for getting him straighter and more evenly connected. And we worked on his massage, a little bit the pee-off, and we did some canter work, some half-passes in the canter. And then the second day, um, I think they were sort of more going towards the judging and education end of it. So they gave me a series of movements to do, and then they scored it, sort of talked about how I could improve it, and then we did it again, and they talked more about it. And I had the movements from the intermediate A, you know, the trot to passage to trot to walk to pee off or half steps and then trot out. And there was a lot of discussion because the judges don't see that's a fairly new test and there's not a lot of people riding that test. And so it sparred a lot of discussion about traveling and, you know, how, you know, how much you punish if they travel too much or if they're a little irregular or if the transitions aren't smooth. So it was, I think it was good for, um, you know, a good set of movements for discussion for the judges. Yeah, no, it was, it was really good. And he really excelled at that because that was so hard because you really would, you would fire him up and you would do the movements and then you had to walk sometimes for 20 minutes, you know, and you're just, you're walking around and then you were like, okay, do it again. And it was like, Oh, I felt, I, I mean, you did a, a spectacular job. you you are so um, confident in your riding and you do such a great job and you were able to do it, but whoo, I felt, I was like, Oh my oh, gosh, that is not easy to do is just, you know, especially at that, that level. Um, so that was fantastic. 
Oh, thank you. And they were nice to let me do it the second time, sort of down at the mirrored end and not at the end with all the judges mm-hmm. piled up, you know, on those mm-hmm. bleachers. I was like, this is not Yeah, there were, really were like 200 people right there. Yeah, that was hard. <laughs> so I was just wondering, guys, because you were there and I didn't get to go this time, um, can you can you give us a summation of that discussion about the horses traveling in the inter A and or any of the any of the takeaways that sure. you got from the uh, from the judges on that day? Definitely, um, I think that they the consensus was that he had good activity and good regularity, um, but that he traveled more than two meters in the half steps. And um, I think most of the judges and the you know the clinicians were sort of saying we would still reward this because it was willing because it was even and relaxed and, um, you know, not punish it too harshly for traveling a little bit. And they also talked about, um, you know, that his passage started off maybe more like a six and then ended up being more towards an eight at the end. And that, you know, they would score it somewhere in between like maybe a seven or a seven, five, I think. And, and that, um, you know, they said at this level, it's new, um, you know, Piazza Dessage, that, you know, you should encourage good quality, even if it sort of takes a little bit to happen or if, if the half steps travel a little bit too much. So that was, that was a good takeaway for me that, you know, the quality is more important than it be exacting that it doesn't travel too much or starts exactly at the letter. Okay. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So was there, was there any other takeaways from any of the, any of the other work that you were doing and, and what you were working on with, with uh, the clinicians? Um, definitely. I think that um, one major takeaway is you know, not to, to keep going if you have a little hole in your connection or your straightness. Um, and, you know, we all know that, but we get sort of caught up in our movements and to sort of you know, step back a little bit, even, even straighten your horse, get your connection where it needs to be, and then press on. Um, and then they had a few little tips like using a little shoulder four and then haunches in, shoulder four haunches in to get him a little bit better into both reins in the canter work before the half passes. So that was very helpful as well. Well, Debbie, thank you so much for sharing your insight from the USDF uh, certified uh, or trainers conference that happened this weekend. And if our listeners had any questions or they're in the Huntsville, Alabama area, how could they get a hold of you? Um, well, my cell number is 256-656-9762 or, um, you know, Facebook, Debbie Hill Dressage, or um, I, my website is also com. so they could fire me off an email if they had any questions as well. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Debbie. Well, right after this break from Fairfield Inn and Suites, we're going to come back with Nora Batch-Elder. The Horse Radio Network is excited to announce a new partnership with the Fairfield Inn North by Marriott in Lexington, Kentucky for Road to the Horse and Rolex. The Fairfield Inn North is right off Newtown Pike and Route 64 near the Cracker Barrel and only 10 minutes from the horse park the back way, you know, the low traffic way. The Fairfield Inn in North has spacious rooms that are being completely renovated now and will be ready in time for Road to the Horse. Plus, the Fairfield Inn North offers complimentary breakfast, a free Wi-Fi throughout the hotel, a huge free parking lot, a business center, indoor swimming pool and jacuzzi, outdoor patio with grill, a laundry facility, and much more. The Cracker Barrel is located right next door, and there are four other dining options available for breakfast, lunch, and dinner right around the corner. Just for listeners of Horse Radio Network, we have negotiated some great rates for you for Road to the Horse and Rolex. For Road to the Horse, we have the rate down from $160 to $120. If you're going to Rolex, we have the rate down to $199 from $260. There's a very limited number of rooms available at these rates, so call in your reservations as soon as possible. Search for Fairfield Inn North in Lexington, Kentucky. It's the one on Hackney Place. You must call in your reservation and ask for the Road to the Horse or the Rolex Early Bird Special. So that's the Road to the Horse or Rolex Early Bird Special. Search for Fairfield Inn North by Marriott. 
Well, tonight uh, on our USDF Trainers Conference wrap-up show, we have Nora Batch-Elder from Williston, Florida. Laura is a gold, silver, and bronze medalist, and she's competed in several CDIs at Grand Prix. And I actually met Laura. We were stable next to each other in Kentucky at the U.S. National Finals. Uh, and she also trains out of Riverhouse Hanoverians in Williston, Florida. How are you, Nora? I'm doing well, thank you. We're so happy you're coming on. I did have to kind of, I did have to drag and pull a little, but it's, I'm so happy to have you. Happy to be here. <laughs> well, tell us, you have such a lovely mare that wowed all of us trainers, which that's a tough venue because you're literally in there with all FEI riders and trainers and this year the judges. So tell us about your lovely girl. Uh, so Fifi is seven coming eight this year. Um, I've had her almost two years now. Uh, not quite like I got her maybe June, 2015. Um, she was actually bred right near here in Reddick, Florida by Mary Lou Wynn. Um, and she's a feeder ton. Volcantons Rodiamont. So she has some interesting bloodlines. And I don't know, she was, uh, let's see, reserve champion at U.S. finals at third level. And we're working really hard towards uh, developing pre St. George for this year. But that's sort of a stretch goal. If we don't get there, we'll do it next year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is a tough goal for. It's it's a tough age. Um, also, having a horse in that same kind of ball game, uh, that's a tough one. I mean, she's just a lovely individual, and she just she can tell she wants to work so badly, and she tries. She was such a good girl in the environment. Um, so, what were some things that you liked um, from Lilo and and Hans Christians? What are some things that you took away from the clinic? Oh, I thought they did a really good job. Um, I liked uh, how they were really concerned about keeping the horses really happy and making sure that they progressed without pushing them too hard. And um, I like how they talk about, like, sort of combine the training and the judging, like saying that I think they sounded like they were more forgiving judges than maybe some judges I have. <laughs> <laughs> they like they seemed really willing to forgive uh, Ben issues or or head placement issues as long as like the quality of the body of the horse, the legs, the cadence, the rhythm, all that was going well. Um, and I thought that was an interesting thing because sometimes I think um, people get sort of caught up with oh they're behind the vertical or they're um, like too much bend or whatever. And as long as the quality of the movement still was there, like the legs, they seemed like they were willing to forgive that. So I thought that was an interesting thing. Well, I think it's difficult when you're writing a test and all you get back is a little piece of paper that has very little explanation about, you know, where the score comes from. And it seems like, you know, the judges can be a little harsh or a little mean. And, um, so that's just been my experience when you actually talk to them, they said, Oh, well this, you know, they, they're much nicer when they when they can give you an explanation. Say, oh well, this was really good. This was really good. I just had to dock you on that, or you know. So I I like these judges, clin as clinicians, you know, because they seem more approachable and they can un you can understand where the marks come from a little better. So I, I was just, that was my two cents about uh, that style of clinic. Yeah, I also thought it was interesting how how different the scores were just between the judges and the trainers and where everyone was sitting. And like, it's always interesting at CDIs when you have five judges and the scores seem like they're all over the place. But when you really think about how different everything looks from different angles, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, no, I think that that was a really good point because, you know, there were judges all through the short side because they were doing, they did this uh, clinic in conjunction with USEF, which I thought was was good. I think judges and trainers should be in the same room and, and talking about what they see and versus what maybe a trainer's perspective would be. And, and so it was, and it was very, very different, even from the judges that were sitting on the short side, because you had some that were at, at you know, at M and some that were at H and 
it was it was a big difference actually um, in in where they were sitting. I thought that was really really interesting. Uh, and then the trainers were all on the long side, and so you were doing a shoulder in exercise. You were such a good sport. You were the first one to come in and they were, they sprung it on all the riders like, okay, you're going to ride this movement. And you were a great sport. And uh, we talked about it too before that, you know, the riders had to kind of stand and then do their movement and then walk again for like 20 minutes while this crowd discussed what was going on. And your mare was really good, but you rode a ton of shoulder and right. You, I don't even know how many you rode, but yeah, I rode a lot of shoulder in. And it was interesting to hear how the judges uh, really, how it varied depending on where you were sitting. Yeah. Well, so. uh, is a really good girl and she was a really good sport about it, but she's a little bit like, I've got to get her in front of my seat before she's really ready to do it. And it was hard for us to be like, okay, we've been walking and now do it really well. And she mm-hmm. was like, yeah, it was hard. I felt I felt for all the riders because I, you know, you're like, oh, that is going to be so hard. But she was such a good sport about it, and so were you, and, and did an amazing job. So, what were some exercises that you came out? Really, the first day was a lot of training, and the second day was a little bit more discussion on the judging side. So, what what would you say uh, were some exercises that you got out of it? Uh, well, I got some exercises, maybe more so from some of the other riders um like the let's see which rider a uh, karen pavicic is that how you say it yeah canadian phil a, a canadian yeah. represented yeah of course we, we do year old mare. Mm-hmm. and they were working on uh some canter pirouette exercises with her and that i thought were interesting and i hadn't seen before where uh Lilo had her turn like on a five meter circle turn onto the quarter line and then ride straight and then like really develop pirouette canter and then ride like the five meter circle turn again. And then later when Lilo was teaching Trixie, um, like her really advanced student, she had her do the same thing, like turn onto on that five meter turn onto the near quarter line and then ride her pirouette, like very close to the wall on that, that five meter line. I, I thought the same thing. I actually rode that exercise today with my horse. Cause I thought that is going to cool. be really hard. It's really hard. Uh, but it was very helpful. And I think it really helps riders, you know, be brave going into the pirouette, you know, e- you have a mark to make and you have to be brave and get to that mark. And, um, I thought that was really, really interesting. And, um, I agree. That was my favorite exercise of the weekend and, and a take home, uh, exercise was that pirouette. Um, yeah, that was fantastic. Reese, maybe you can describe it again, just to get, you know, just, I was just having trouble picturing it. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit hard. I think Nora, you did a good job, but it is a little hard to picture. So she had, um, Karen canter down the long side and yeah. make in the, let's say in the corner where she would literally make a five meter turn. So you were going onto to the, the first quarter line onto the first quarter line. Okay. So yeah. it was essentially, you know, she would have her bring her back, get ready for the turn and then do the five meter turn. So it was, it was a significant, I mean, you really, it was almost a pirouette basically, but yeah. you had to hit the near quarter line and then she would yeah. have her canter down the near quarter line and then do it again and turn um, back as, to the, and to turn the back to the rail. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. And she had her do it multiple times. And then, you know, some, some maybe different, you know, variants of the canter within, within the two. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was quite a good exercise. I, huh. I thought interesting. Do, good one. Yeah, it was yeah. interesting. It was a really good one. I did it myself. Cause I, I wrote the same exercise down. Cause I thought, Oh wow, that's really a fantastic. That was, that one was worth the price of admission. Wasn't it Nora? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and were there, were there any other exercises that you really liked or things that you're going to use with Fifi? Uh, well, I like what Lilo said. I mean, it's sort of related to doing the canter pirouette on the, like turning onto the near quarter line, but how Lilo was saying to sort of get them confident doing the movements away from the center line. And I mean, I do that some like with zigzags and stuff from, the long side to the quarter line and stuff like that, but to really think about that, it's better for the horse to to, to 
get them really confident doing their pirouettes and their zigzags and everything on different lines before you make them do it like out in no man's land on the center line. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to keep that in mind. (laughs) Yeah, no, that was also just a great tip. And, um, you know, I also found that Hans Christian was incredibly interesting um, overall. He was a really, because he's a five-star judge, but his day job is he's a veterinarian. So, and he also obviously has lots of training and, and techniques and not necessarily what happened during the day, but in the evening he gave a lecture and I know you came to the lecture too, where he talked about sort of common injuries or common problem areas, would you say of, of sport horses, which I thought was really quite a cool. And so he brought a really interesting perspective on, you know, like where another one that I really liked was where the horses should stretch. They took a lot of time to talk about the position of the stretch Uh, And now they were talking specifically about the seven-year-old, the new seven-year-old test through the FEI, but they were talking that the, the nose when the horse stretch should go at least be on the same level as the shoulder should be at the shoulder or lower. Yeah. Were you there for that? Yeah. Which I thought was a really, really good visual for, you know, everyone's like, well, how much should my horse stretch? And I thought that that was an incredibly good visual and then he also went in um kind of sorry skipping around a little in that lecture he talked about like for example on the horse's nose or on the horse's face there's a nerve that runs very close to where the bridle is so sometimes horses don't like the positioning of the bridle because of the there's a huge bundle of nerves that sort of gather in that area so sometimes that that can be a problem. Then he talked about some uses of kinesio taping um, in sport horses and how, you know, you see it on the Olympics, uh, you know, volleyball players and, um, you know, all kinds of athletes ha- have kinesio tape. And as of right now, you cannot ride uh, with it on. The horses can have it in the stall, but they can't be ridden with it on. Um, and he was talking about sort of the uses of kinesio tape and, and how they're using that, um, for sport medicine. Um, what else did you talk about Nora that night that was interesting? Oh, my favorite one. Sorry. I got, he was talking about, (laughs) I know I can't, poor Nora can't talk. Uh, this is what it's like hanging out with Reese. I know. I can't. Sorry. Yeah. I remember what I was going to say, and, and that was, he was talking about at the Olympic games that the horses always walked on perfect footing. And that a lot of the horses by the end of the two weeks of the games were feeling very tired to the riders and they couldn't kind of figure out why some were tripping. And he was saying that it's really important to vary horses footing, that their proprioception gets off if they're only walking on the same. So he was encouraging his riders. He's like, it didn't go over well with my dressage riders, but he was encouraging them to go. I guess there was one small little patch that you could lunge the horses on that was grass and he was saying how he felt like it was really important to vary the horse's footing so no nor i promise what what was your thoughts from that lecture oh yeah i thought the the proprioception part was probably the most interesting to me because i've had experience with that but i didn't have a name for it you know and i didn't know that was a thing because i've had like I had a horse in training that came from um, being in Michigan all winter. And it had been like in a stall or ridden in the same indoor or turned out in the same indoor. And when she came down to Florida, she tripped so much and had such a hard time. But then after a while of like I hack her and I get catalettis and all that and now I mean she's great you can ride her out in the field and she doesn't trip at all but mm-hmm. I'm sure mm-hmm. it was the same situation with her she just had been on the same footing for months and months and months and she didn't know where her feet were anymore <laughs> yeah yeah no it was really it was incredibly interesting and I think that a lot of people um you know have dealt with that issue so I thought that that was really cool and I actually used the kinesio tape on myself so it really helps, like, with my back and stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think that's an interesting interesting thing to try to use on the horses. 
Mm-hmm. And I um, I also, after my knee surgery, I, I have it. And I always use it when I travel because uh, my knee sometimes swells because I'm, you know, the positioning. And uh, so, I, you know, his point was, and he said he had used it also on himself. And he said, I, I cannot imagine that this can't help the horses. So that was kind of yeah. cool to hear his take on that. And that, you know, I think, uh, I, I think the thought is that it will, it will become something that we're able to use because it's in human athletes are able to use it. So he, you know, he was interesting and said that it will possibly, you know, it could sometime down the road become legal. It is not at the moment, um, but people are used to seeing it on human athletes. So it will become more and more used in, in horses. So, yeah, that was cool. That the lecture in the evening was, was neat because he did, he just had an interesting take on, uh, he, since he was the Danish team coach for nine or team veterinarian for nine years, you know, being able to do that was quite cool. So, yeah. So that was great. He was, he was funny too. Yeah. I say about those, um, the three horses that were full siblings and how they proved (laughs) their x-rays. They were horrible, but then they were all fabulous performance horses. And I yes. like how he said he likes to be proven wrong. And like when the horse, yeah. the horse like goes on and does great things, like despite like what their X-rays say. And that's always nice to hear. For yes, for exactly. So he was talking. He had a slide up with three brothers, and they had the same. They were full brothers, and all of these horses had terrible X-rays. Terrible. He said, you know, you would look at the X-rays, and he said he ended up in one of the horse's careers, had vetted the horse four times <laughs> for different people, and he kept saying, listen, these are the same X-rays and the same horse, and this is carried on forever, and, you know, you really want, these are really fantastic horses, and, you know, don't look at the X-rays, basically. So, which was really funny. So, um, yeah, so, that was really, really interesting. And in, in how he said, these are all brothers. They're all top sport. You know, you can be proven wrong for what the x-rays say. And that was his point was just because the x-rays say something doesn't necessarily mean that's the athlete you're dealing with. So, yeah. So it was a very yeah, interesting. Interesting. Con- yeah. It sounds like you got a full rounded education. Yeah, we did. And, and I think it was Good. because Hans Christian had all those credentials was pretty cool. And Lilo, of course, as well. So, yeah. We missed you, Phil. We missed you. What can I say? Next time. (laughs) (laughs) Next time. Well, Nora, thank you so much for coming on and discussing the conference. And um, I so appreciate it. How would our listeners find you online? Uh, Well, I have a farm website. It's rhhanoverian.com. So they can contact me there or through Facebook. Just Nora Batchelder on Facebook. Awesome. Thank you so much. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, I am so happy that Debbie Hill is staying with us for our Total Saddle Fit tip of the week. She's a USDF gold, silver, and bronze medalist, USDF L program graduate with distinction, and resident trainer at Red Horse Ridge in Huntsville, Alabama. Debbie, thanks for staying on with us. No problem at all. Thanks for having me. So we were talking right before we got on the show, like, what what should we do for the weekly trainer tip? And you came up with a fantastic one. So I'll let you get started. Okay. Well, it's just sort of a reminder more than anything that, you know, when you're setting a horse back with a half halt, whether it be in trot or canter, to just remember on the back side of the half halt to soften the contact, sort of allow for a little lengthening of the frame, because we all know in half halt, the frame gets shortened slightly. And then to think about using the leg, not only before the half halt, but after to sort of fill up that contact, that giving hand so that you send the neck back out forward. Well, and I love that kind of analogy of filling up. That's a fantastic way of thinking about sort of the final stage of the half halt. I think that that's a really, a really good one. Um, I think that's, that's the biggest one. It's the most important part of the half halt, I think. And the one that people forget the most. 
Wouldn't you say, Phil? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think uh, a lot of people only think of the half halt as the the balancing phase, and and not really the the expanding going forward phase. You know, it's not done until you can let go of the reins and the horse responds to the half halt in a positive way. Otherwise, you have to do another one or do a full on transition or something. You know, it's more than it's more than just pulling backwards and slowing the horse down. And that's what you see the most, you know, and, and that's, that's fine. That's how I did it when I, you know, tried to learn about half halts and, and, and that, but, um, you know, the result of a half halt should be a longer horse, right? Because you've kind of squished them together like a spring. And then the half halt isn't done until the horse, the coil spring goes back out again. And, and, and like you said, the horse fills the bridle or, or, you know, makes the, the, the top line a little bit longer. longer. So, Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that they're traveling in the optimal way, right? So it's it's balancing and then it's releasing. There's the two the two parts to a half halt, and and I like that you brought attention to it because it's such an important part. You know, we can all pull backwards on the reins, right? Um, Definitely. But uh, but talented riders know how how to release a half halt and how to produce a, a beautiful balanced forward going horse, right? Well, and one and one of the questions that I think we get a lot and I just wanted to talk about it is you know a lot of my students or people are like well how often do you do a half halt so I'll let you guys tackle that you know when, when you say okay half halt and then remember to to rebalance and give at the final end but how often do you do it Debbie what would you say to that that question I think it depends is always the answer mm-hmm. to that it depends on how often the horse needs it you know yeah <laughs> some horses yeah. need it very very short intervals and then some horses need the reminder much less often depending on you know their their balance and quality of collection well yeah i think that's the exact answer it it depends on the level of training of the horse depends on how you know do you have a horse that's a little bit you know a little bit lazier a little less responsive you know a little uh, then you're going to have to do it you know more and you're going to have to be a little stronger with it but uh, a light sensitive you know highly trained horse needs it um, you know, just closing, you know, it's, it's also like how you do the half halt, you know, on a young horse, I find myself, you know, um, closing my elbows a little bit more. It has a little bit more of a strong component and then releasing the elbows on a, on an upper level horse. Then we're talking about just closing the ring finger and releasing the ring finger. And, um, you're doing it all the time. I think the problem is as professional riders, when you ride a lot of horses, you can do it without thinking. Right. And then you're like, Oh, I didn't even know I was using 12 half halts down the long side or 10 across the diagonal because you just train yourself to do it. Every time the horse doesn't feel good, you're doing a half halt or a, or a full transition, right? I got to make this horse balanced in every step. And so, um, they can look, you know, they can be very invisible to someone watching on the ground. Um, or they can be strong when you need to fix a problem, when you need to, to get through the horse. Sometimes they ignore you. Sometimes in the, you know, like in the environments where you're at a clinic and there's people all around the ring, you're going to see more obvious half halts. But, um, yeah, it just depends on the horse. You have to consult with the trainer, you know, how strong, when, and, and you know, how much. So um, do a lot of them. I, you know, I always tell people there's, there's not a problem with doing too many half halts. There's always a problem with not doing enough. So I think as a general rule, that's probably good. Yeah, I like that general rule about half halts. That's a good one. Yeah. If you have to do it every stride, just do it every stride. We'll figure it out later. Too much is better than not enough, definitely. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. Well, I want to thank Debbie for bringing this uh, great trainer tip to our attention. It was uh, a good reminder for for us ourselves and for all of our listeners. Debbie, if somebody wants to get hold of you, how would they do that? Um, Through Facebook or my website or my cell number, um, Debbie Hill Dressage, that's how I am on Facebook and my website or my cell number is 256-656-9762 and I text. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. This tip was brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, the shoulder relief girth that Reese and Philip both love. And here's why. The saddle fit solution you have been waiting for is finally here. TotalSaddleFit.com is proud to introduce the shoulder relief girth. This strategically shaped girth actually moves the girth line of your saddle back over one inch, thereby freeing your horse's shoulders from the saddle. 
Traditional girths pull saddles up against a horse's shoulders and often over the top of the shoulders. The shoulder relief girth's recessed ends allow for the billets to buckle into the girth farther back to give your horse unparalleled freedom of motion. We are so certain that your saddle will fit better and your horse will be more comfortable that for a limited time we are offering a 30-day, 110% money-back guarantee. If you are not totally satisfied with your shoulder relief girth, send it back for a full refund plus 10% of the purchase price. Don't wait. Order now for the best saddle fit solution available. At totalsaddlefit.com. Visit totalsaddlefit.com. Well, Philip, I have an idea. It doesn't happen very often. <laughs> okay. But right. I, Let me know, write down the date. Yeah, write down the date right now. But we love email and Facebook shout outs so much. And uh, I was sitting actually at the trainers conference and I was sort of listening to all the judges make comments. And I thought, I really want to hear from all of our listeners. What are the funniest comments that you have gotten? So I, we don't want to hear judges <laughs> names. You know what I mean? But we really want to hear like, you know, what are some funny comments? So my funniest comment is um, was probably my very first dressage test. Uh, it, probably pretty close. I mean, I've got pictures and video, which potentially I could get a hold of, um, of me riding this horse. And his name was Stoney. And Stoney, we had to go, it, we, the horse show was at our barn, but we had to walk really, really far away. They set an arena up in a field, like way far from the barn. Yeah. And I was little, I was probably like eight and Tony wanted nothing to do with the arena. So Tony tried to jump out and got three legs out. Oh no. Somehow. Yeah. But you I didn't st- get the last one. I didn't you get the last him? one. I <laughs> stopped him. And I mean, I was crying and I was so upset because I had been practicing so hard. So the judge came back and said, that was the most, um, athletic or the most achieve ability basically oh gosh i'm trying to remember the exact comment but it was basically like well done for keeping your horse in the arena i am (laughs) sure that your career will continue to go upward (laughs) so that was the start of my career that would be a great video to see Oh, I, I think my dad has it somewhere. We may have to dig it out. But th- I thought that was so sweet of the judge to say your your dressage career will will go up from here. So, it can only improve, improve from it here. It can only improve from now. You stayed in, sister. That's a positive way. Yeah. So you're good to go. So there you go. That's my story. And so we basically want to hear from everyone. We're going to put it on the dressage radio show. We're going to put it on the auditor's page, which is the special uh, page here at the Horse Radio Network where um, – Super people, secret club. It's yeah. super secret club where you can join. The Auditors Club is fantastic. And that, that Facebook page is awesome and hilarious. So I'm super excited. We're going to put it on there and on our, on our Facebook page. So we want to hear the funniest comments that you have gotten from a dressage judge. So that's what we're up to. So to start the new year, a little bit of a funny for everybody that's up where it's cold and yucky and rainy. Yeah, I um, think that uh, yeah, dressage judges aren't known for their humor. Sometimes. <laughs> but but sometimes yeah sometimes so we want to we want to know creative with their comments too yeah we want to some creative i'm trying to think but maybe maybe i'll have to i'll have to think about it this week yeah you think about it this and, week uh, and so phil will come up with his next week so um we some tests yeah, love I, it. I, I just yeah. came across one I, I all i oh. did was google judges comments and there's yeah. one yeah. here that's obviously a little kid it's the movement says good try next movement good try next movement trying hard Next movement. Oops, but still trying hard. Oh, that would be trying to keep Sony in the arena. Exactly. That would be your dressage test. That was my dressage test. So there you go. So we can't wait to hear what everybody has to say, and we will definitely give shout-outs here on the radio show. So everybody, you can find our show notes and links to today's guest on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com. My email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. 
gmail.com. And if you're here in Wellington, I'd love to hear from you guys. Send me an email and that would be fun to meet up at one of the horse shows or uh, events that are happening. The best way to find me is on Facebook and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week for allowing us to put on a great show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back. And next week is the Western Dressage Show. Uh, And Phil and I will be back in two weeks. Have a great one. 